Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. So do you have enough clothes, warm clothes for Minnesota? Because people keep emailing us about how insanely cold it's going to be there. (laughs) Um, Remember when we went to Hungary in the winter and we got all that Uh warm stuff? (laughs) I still have all of that. So that's what I'm taking. So glad I'm not going to be there. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career in friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we're going to talk about timeliness. Timeliness is always a factor when we're choosing projects, but suddenly it feels like the single most important factor. Then we're going to do a take two on pulling the ripcord. That episode really struck a chord with a lot of people. And in Hits and Bombs, we're giving two hits and no bombs because we're just focusing on the good this week. (laughs) But first, we have an update. We are so excited to let everyone know that we are going to start shipping our amazing Happier in Hollywood Sillipint Cups again. Yay! Oh, this is such a thrill. We're working with ShipStation. We have a mailing process that feels safe. And we have merch. Yes, we have it in our hot little hands. <laughs> so if you've emailed us already, we're going through those emails and responding with payment info. They're $25, including shipping. And if you haven't emailed us yet, but you'd like a cup, shoot us an email at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Also, you can see the cups on both of our Instagram feeds. They're BPA-free, microwave, oven, and freezer safe. They keep your tea or coffee hot in the mornings and your water or whatever else you're drinking (laughs) cool the rest of the day. They're unbreakable and flexible and just make you happy when you look at them because they are rainbow. They look like a rainbow tie-dye. They are the most joyful cups, honestly, I've ever seen. I'm taking mine with me to Minnesota because I just can't to be without it. Yes. And we should mention they do come with a lid. Yes. Which makes them just so wonderful. Even more wonderful. Back in business. Yes. Still safer at home, but back in business. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week it's 
timeliness. So when we're deciding what projects to do, mm-hmm. timeliness is always a factor. Um, and what do we mean by this? We mean, does it feel relevant to today? Does it feel meaningful to where we are in the world? Does it have some kind of a larger connection to yeah. what's happening? And a lot of times it's not our first consideration. It's something we always look at, but a lot of times it doesn't feel like it it matters so much. Mm-hmm. But right now we're noticing that that's really changed and that timeliness feels paramount. It really does. All of a sudden, it's our first thought about everything we do. Yeah. Recently, there was a project we really loved. Loved. We talked about it a lot. We um, were thinking we were going to start writing a pitch. But then we just kept talking and we said, you know what? This just doesn't feel relevant right now. Yeah, it's. I feel like the world is changing so much and so rapidly and in so many different ways that it's hard to kind of just stay balanced. But I will say that particular project, after George Floyd was murdered, it suddenly just didn't feel like an important story anymore. Right. It it felt just irrelevant. Yeah. Like, who cares about this story? <laughs> exactly. And that doesn't mean that every single thing we do has to be about, you know, racial justice or social change. But it has to feel like it fits into the context of our world today. Yeah. And this particular story just felt too fluffy, I guess I'll say, too slight. Yeah, I think it was important. It was an... Im- <sighs> It's hard to kind of even enunciate it, but it was an important story about something that's not important right now. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Might be another time where it feels relevant again, Yeah, but not right now. Yeah, and we tried to figure out if there were ways that we could adjust it to make it seem relevant. But once you start doing that, you end up kind of messing with what the core of it was, and it just feels kind of Frankenstein in some way. Yes, yes. So we just let it go. Yeah. And of course, Sarah, the Black Lives Matter movement is one factor in terms of timeliness. But there's also this pandemic, which (laughs) I think we all hoped would somehow be over, if not by now, then soon. At least getting better. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be over. Well, some people, but nobody rational thought it was going to be over. But yes, we thought it, it seemed to be getting better. But now it feels like we're still right in the thick of it. And it's getting and worse. It's getting worse. Many and places. we don't know what's going to happen. So that also is something to consider in yeah. terms of timeliness. Again, not that people just want to watch a bunch of shows about people living in a pandemic. They don't. But some things just don't feel like they fit. Yeah, some things... It's We just sort of gauged, is this something we want to talk about and think about? And if we don't want to talk yeah. about it and think about it in the context of the world today, we figure people aren't going to want to watch it. Yes. Fortunately, Sarah, we do have a project we're negotiating on that we're insanely excited about. I mean, yes! insanely. So excited. And it does feel timely and wonderful and relevant no matter what's going on in the world. Yes. Yes. And it also, I think, is something that wouldn't be 
unsafe to shoot for the most part. Like there are ways yes. to shoot it, which yes. which makes it even more appealing. It's incredibly yes, exciting. It does. And I would say one good thing about kind of prioritizing timeliness first is that it has helped us weed out a lot of things that we were sort of like, yes. well, this, well, that, well, that, you know, like it does help us say, yes. no, this is not the right time for this. Like that, it yes. provides a clarity that is nice. Last week we talked about, you know, remember the Mahjong card and yes. how eventually things make sense. And I think overlaying timeliness on top of projects helps, you know, helps emerge what we should be spending our time it's on. part of breaking the code. Yes. <laughs> so the good news, Sarah, is we're also incredibly inspired by the potential of the work that we think studios and networks are going to be open to right now yeah. that they may not have been open to in the past. Yes. Yeah, so, so yay. that's a great thing. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about some of these projects less obliquely in the nearish future. Yes. Next up, we revisit Pulling the Ripcord. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Take two is up. In episode 164, we talked about pulling the ripcord and why sometimes it is a really good idea. Yes. And what we mean by pulling the ripcord is escaping a bad situation. Yes. Sometimes, you know, you feel like you have to stick something out or you try to. Other times it's you pull the ripcord and parachute on out of there. <laughs> and we asked you all if you've ever had to pull the ripcord and we got so many great stories. We just had to do a take two and hear some of them. Bryn wrote in, she said, my family was moving back to Minnesota after a stint in a different state. I reached out to friends for job leads and got an interview and job offer within a couple of weeks. I had several friends who worked in this office, so I felt I had a good idea of the culture and what my job would be. Within the first week, I knew something was weird. The different departments didn't combine socially even to eat lunch. People with my title constantly worked until 10, 11, 12 each night. People took their laptops with them on vacation some who hadn't taken a vacation in over five years. I was being asked to take on more and more projects, even though I was still in training. My inbox was filling up and deadlines looming, even as I was learning the software needed to complete these tasks. At week five, I knew I needed out. The work-life balance was non-existent, and I would be treading water if I stayed. The day after I put in my notice, another friend created a new position for me at a company I had dreamed of working for. I was elated to have had the opportunity and knew if I was still at my last job, I would have been too scared to take it. If your gut is saying get out, listen to it. What a great story. Yes. 
I have to add, Sarah, she also says, as a person who moved to Minnesota from Kansas over 20 years ago, she thinks you're nuts to move there in the winter. <laughs> she have heard that from a few people. I know. She may be right. She told me to get a good snowblower, which is probably excellent advice. Now, Jamie wrote, while I was listening to your segment on pulling the ripcord in regards to your job, I was vehemently shaking my head saying, yes, this is me. Until this past April, I was a first grade teacher in the town I live in. I received early tenure and national board certified, a pretty big deal, and I had a reputation for being a well-loved teacher that parents would call to request for their children each year. All that being said, the pressure of living up to all of the rigor, standards, paperwork, assessing young ones, behavioral concerns, and keeping up parent-teacher relationships was too much. This past year, I wasn't sleeping, hardly eating, and I felt as though I may be sick almost every day on my way to work. When quarantine hit and we received word that we wouldn't be returning for the remainder of the school year, I burst into tears of relief. That was when I knew it was time to pull that ripcord. After discussing with my husband, I wrote my resignation letter and never looked back. I'm going to be looking forward to exploring my other interests and being a stay-at-home mom to my son. Wow. See, I love this letter because it really highlights how you can be amazing at something and be doing mm -hmm. a great job, but still need to pull the ripcord. It's yes. not about you've, you're failing because you feel like you have to do this. It's just if it's not the right thing for you, if it's, if it's harming you in some way to be there. It's, it reminded me a lot of our friend who was in this situation yes. and did pull a ripcord and was definitely yeah. the right thing. Yeah. And it may be that there was a certain amount of time in her life where it was the right place to be and yes. now it's not. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then Casey wrote, I was just listening to the podcast while putting together a puzzle. Such, <laughs> such a <laughs> pandemic uh, activity. And I just had to pause to tell you about my experience pulling the ripcord because it felt like you were speaking directly to past me. I was working as a content producer for a service where we had opportunities to cover a wide range of topics with access to incredible people, astronauts, athletes, artists, other jobs that start with other letters of the alphabet. But management was so useless that we were never actually putting out any work I could be proud of. In fact, quite the opposite. I was often embarrassed by what we produced. I can admit in this safe space that I ended up finding myself most nights on my couch, eating whatever food I could get my hands on, drinking red wine, smoking weed, and crying watching Moana. <laughs> it's such a cliche that I won't even be able to write it into a script one day. There might have been a moment when I looked around and went, something's got to change, but I think it was more gradual than that. Management was always making lofty promises, so I told myself I would give it a year. Then I went into our weekly meetings and came out telling myself, okay, maybe six months. The next week, I was down to three months, and then the week after that, you get the picture. One morning when I saw that my boss was actually in his office, I watched some Beyonce on YouTube and then <laughs> marched in and pulled the ripcord. I sold all my stuff, moved back to my home state, set up a freelance business, and started networking like a demon woman. For the first year, I made like no money. I can't figure out how I survived. But in this last year, well, up until the pandemic, I am absolutely crushing my financial goals, creating work I want to put my name on. And now when I watch Moana, I feel so proud of myself. It wasn't easy, but pulling the ripcord was worth it for me. Oh, that's awesome, Casey. What? I know. Gosh, I feel so proud of Casey, and I don't even know her. I know, and I also love how, like, visual her yes. email was. I could totally picture it all. <laughs> yes, yes. 
And Sarah, finally, we have a voicemail from Britt who did not pull the ripcord. Yes. Let's listen. Hi, Liz and Sarah. It's Britt here in Texas. I have a time in my life when I did not pull the ripcord, but I definitely should have. My brother took his life very suddenly and the whole event was, you know, beyond stressful and compounded by lots of things like... Um, you know, my father left my mother and we had to go to London to bring my brother home. And, and um, yeah, so it was just this phenomenally stressful time. And and at the time, I had events that I was producing, some acting jobs and stuff all lined up. And I remember calling my agent and saying, look, you know, my brother has killed himself, but I want you to know that you can count on me to go through with all of these jobs that I'm booked for. So then, you know, we went to London, came home. There was massive drama, you know, between my parents and my dad was being crazy. And then I ended up kind of event producing my brother's funeral, I suppose, for want of a better way of putting it. And just after the funeral, I was just completely exhausted in every way. Like I'd never, ever been in my life before. You know, I'd never really been stopped by my body before in what I wanted to achieve and produce in life. So I called my agent again and I said, look, this fashion show that I'm supposed to produce, I just, I I can't do it. (laughs) And uh, my agent at the time said, well, what do you want me to do about it? (laughs) So I ended up going ahead and I asked a friend to help me and, and that was fine. But within six months to maybe a year after my brother dying, I ended up getting um, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. And I'm pretty clear that it's because I kept pushing my body through the absolute pressure cooker of stress. You know, I just wanted to share my experience because A, I'd never been stopped by my body before. So I had never had to pull the ripcord. And B, just let it be a warning to people that when it's going to be better for your physical and mental and emotional well-being, it's really important to pull the ripcord. Okay, thank you so much, gals. Um, Love the podcast, love our community. Bye. Well, Sarah, I think Britt brings up such a good point about, you know, the physical aspect of all of this and how you really have to take care of your body. And sometimes that requires pulling the ripcord. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Britt. It's interesting because I feel like often this is where regrets come in. Like when we don't pull the ripcord and really we should have, mm-hmm. then, you know, that is when the the mistakes that we really regret in the long run often come up. Absolutely. So thank you to everyone who shared your ripcord stories. It's so hard to pull the ripcord, but it's so often the right decision. Yeah. And keep them coming because they are really interesting for us. Yeah. Okay, Liz, it is time for our hits and bombs segment, because in Hollywood, everything is about big hits and big bombs. And this week, we decided we didn't want to give any bombs. We're just focusing on hits, focusing on the good. Yes. So, Liz, what is your hit? Sarah, I'm giving a hit to a television show. I feel like everyone is still searching for new TV shows to watch (laughs) during this pandemic. And the one I want to highlight is Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story. 
Um, and I have to mention it was created by Alex Cunningham, who is someone we worked with and who is insanely talented and we love her. And it's starring Amanda Peet, who I went to college with. So I have a lot I'm rooting for in the show anyway, but I'm watching it and I am obsessed with it. Betty Broderick, for anyone who doesn't know, she was an Orange County housewife who murdered her ex-husband and his new wife in the 80s. So yes, Sarah, it's just a fun popcorn drama that's incredibly gripping, but it also says a lot about women and how they're often at a disadvantage in marriage and more importantly in divorce Mm. and how they really need to look out for themselves in a divorce. Yes, before they lose their minds and kill people. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so Sarah, that's my hit. The Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story on USA – What is your hit? I want to give a humongous, like cannot be big enough hit this week to my stepmom, Anna. Mm, She agreed to come here in May. She's still here. She's (laughs) coming to Minnesota with us. I cannot describe how much she does and how awesome she is and how she is just keeping everything afloat in our world right now. Plus, it's just so nice to have her here. Yes, to have another adult to talk to. Oh, my God. It's like the most amazing thing. Um, And she's so great with Violet, who just like absolutely adores her. So, and she also makes stir-fried veggies and rice that Violet is just Mm. obsessed with. So just across the board, huge hit to my amazing stepmom, Anna Fain, 200,000 gold stars. <laughs> yes. And now that she's there, you and I are both like, how did you survive without her? Oh my God, I don't know. I really don't know. Next up, a Hollywood hack that both puts the pressure on and takes the pressure off. But first, this break. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. Do one small thing a week to make the world a better place. Yeah, there's just so much going on in the world right now. It is a rough time to just exist, and it's so easy to feel overwhelmed and helpless and ineffectual and paralyzed, just speaking for myself. (laughs) Me too. So we thought, what's one thing that we can do that will just make things a little better? So we thought, pick one cause that means something to you 
and every week do one little thing, just one. Send one postcard, call one representative, send one email, make one donation. Yeah, Sarah, we have a friend who does everything. I mean, (laughs) everything, including sending out a weekly email of every political event and meeting and fundraiser that's happening that week. And she hosts a weekly postcard writing gathering. Yes, now it's like distanced on her front yard, but she's still doing it. Yep. Yep. And the email says, you know, what calling to do and literally everything else you can do. And that is for most people too much. I mean, she's really dedicated her whole life to being an activist. I mean, she was a TV writer, very successful, but now I think of her as an activist. Yeah. But for most of us, just doing one thing at least will be something as opposed to feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, I think especially right now when it feels like there's so much on us, especially if you're a parent, that like it just feels like I can't do anything. Just do yeah. one thing a week. And it doesn't have to be political. If Alzheimer's research is your thing, Make a small donation every week. If you want to slow climate change, adopt one Earth-friendly practice a week. Because all of these small things add up. I think sometimes we don't do them because they don't feel meaningful, but they really are. Yes, it all adds up, and it feels good to do something. Yes. What is um, one of our favorite quotes? Action is the antidote to anxiety. Yes. So take action, even if it's a small action. Like wearing a mask. (laughs) Wear a mask, yes. (laughs) We have to mention that at least once an episode. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I am on Instagram at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Now, Sarah, you're going back to Minnesota. Isn't that where you first discovered... Sillipint. Oh my gosh. Sillipint cups. Yes, it is. At Paragus, this store in Ely, Minnesota. And I bought I bought so many for the house. You're gonna have to tell them. You're gonna have to show them your cup. Oh, I'll bring it in. I will. I think they're open. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) From the Onward Project.